good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cup, hit me cup, dude. Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hare. Hey, Karagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues and human issues are Native issues. You're right, Dega, and this portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, you know, Haley, I hate to make you the odd person out, but this is going to be the Roberts show. Uh, We have Robert Lilligren on, and (laughs) we also have uh, Bob Blake from Red Lake, which I always love to say on a little later in the show, Robert Blake. And, uh, but, well, I guess you're not going to be too much outnumbered because what I'd like to do is uh, we have an update from the governor of the great state of Wisconsin. And why don't we take a quick listen from a governor's Evers to start it out. Hey there, Native Roots Radio. Governor Tony Evers here with my weekly update. Every Wisconsinite deserves access to clean, safe water, free of lead, PFAS, and other contaminants that have long been known to harm our kids, families, farmers, communities, and industries across our state. From declaring 2019 a year of clean drinking water and creating the state's PFAS Action Council, to filing a lawsuit against more than a dozen companies who contributed to PFAS contamination, my administration has been working to address water quality issues since day one, and I'm proud of the progress we made. I've also spent four years trying to get most of the Republican legislature to believe PFAS are a pressing threat to our state's economy, our health and well-being, and our way of life. And unfortunately, the work we must do to address PFAS and other contaminants grows harder and more expensive with each day of delay. So earlier this month, I was proud to sign a budget that included the first real and substantive Republican effort to address PFAS after years of inaction with a $125 million investment to address and prevent PFAS contamination statewide. This budget also builds on our work to ensure Wisconsinites have access to clean water by providing $1 million to help private well owners clean up or replace contaminated wells, $4 million for the Urban Nonpoint and Municipal Flood Control Program, and $6.5 million for grants under the Targeted Runoff Management Program. At the end of the day, we have to make sure that every Wisconsinite has access to clean, safe water no matter whether it's for drinking in our homes and schools, for our crops or livestock, or our natural waters for hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation. And I know that together, we will. Thanks for listening. Back to you, Robert, and Native Roots Radio. Hey there. Hey, hey, thanks, uh, Governor uh, Evers. Uh, Really appreciate that. And uh, we uh, welcome Robert Lilligren, a Native American uh, Community Development Institute, our normal uh, Thursday person. And Robert, I just got to say a big peenie Thank you for stepping in and uh, hosting the rest of the show. You did an awesome job as I was listening to it on my way to uh, my appointment. So uh, Brown Institute, uh, big applause. For <laughs> Thanks, Robert. And miigwech to Haley for all of her technical support and really to the guest. Angela Two Stars, the artist yeah. and our, all my relations arts director. She is just so interesting. I could talk to her all night long. Yeah, she did an awesome job. You're absolutely right. Hey, before we get going with uh, our conversation uh, that we both uh, spent hours uh, looking <laughs> things to... Uh, <laughs> decades, decades preparing for this conversation. Right. right. I just want to uh, let everybody know it's a really interesting thing about... Uh, what PFAS is, what the governor talked about, and it's uh, used to make household and uh, commercial products that resist heat and chemical reaction and repel oil, stains, grease, and water. These are like uh, major chemicals that are found in the water, and I've heard 
more and more about that, Robert. I don't know if you have, but it's uh, real interesting that the governor's talking about that and fighting. Uh, I agree. It's just very, it's interesting, you know, more and more of these chemicals that, uh, that we're using, the forever chemicals, and right. we need to figure out how to remediate them, right? And so it was encouraging to hear Governor Evers talk about the legislation he signed. And if I heard him correctly, it's the first PFAS mm -hmm. uh, program in Wisconsin. So so it seems kind of surprising that it would be the first of this kind of late in the game, but there, there can't be a second or a third or a fourth until there's a first. So good news. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, our, our struggles with our relatives in Wisconsin, I think, have slowed things down. And uh, we've had uh, some Republican governors over there in the past, and uh, we won't get into that right now. But we're just glad that first, Governor Evers is there, and second, that he's sending us updates. <laughs> Agree. I think that's really a very considerate thing for him to do and shows that he's really trying to reach out to a lot of communities that he represents. Mm -hmm. I give him credit for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, really a nice guy. And uh, Arvina talks about him, uh, uh, who uh, Arvina is, she, matter of fact, guest host last week. Uh, she uh, was first uh, Madison uh, Native American city council person. And uh, right. she calls him our Mr. Rogers. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I'm sure out of affection. I'm sure that's right. affectionate. Yeah. Yeah, definitely in a good way, for sure, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I've gotten that uh, mellow vibe, and I do believe he's a former teacher, too, so uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of good things there. Well, hey, I saw you today. What yeah, a beautiful it was great day to see you. To be on the avenue, uh, really, uh, and our Ho-Chunk, uh, a relative there helping you uh, run that destiny is just yeah. doing a bang-up job this year, and I, I speak of the Four Sisters oh. Market. Yeah, our Four Sisters Farmers Market every Thursday, 11 to 3, uh, right on Franklin and 15th in our building where Powell Grounds Coffee Shop is, our All My Relations Arts Gallery, our offices, and it is just a happening place. We had a, a Native brother spinning uh, discs, and he has this niche collection of Native people in recording studios from maybe the 60s, 70s, 80s to to today and so some really interesting vintage stuff that he was spinning and it's mm -hmm. just a place to sort of see and be seen on the right. American Indian culture corridor. I'm and sad. I'm sad to have missed that today. I wasn't yeah, able to make it out there. I know I had a had to take care of the the grass was getting uh, pretty crazy today. Yeah. So and it just grows and grows every week. It's just <laughs> We got rain to... last night, though, which was good. Did you guys get rain over there in St. Paul? A sprinkle in Minneapolis. A oh, yeah. Two flashes of lightning and a sprinkle of rain. It got scared. And he's literally was spinning albums, the old school. And I went up and talked to him because I have some uh, collector albums of tribes that people have sent me over. But he was oh, like, cool. speaking upon uh, just his own tribe he was collecting, which I thought was interesting, too. Oh, okay. Um, nice, nice. Yeah, I didn't realize that either because I was like, hey, I got this. But he was like, he didn't care. He wanted one of those uh, uh, Lakota Dakota singers uh, mm. playing out there. But it was cool. Uh, very cool. Nice background. It was a nice uh, volume, too. You know, you could still talk and hang out. And uh, it's just a not only it's a great place to really connect. And I ran into uh, not only his destiny, but there was two other Ho-Chunks that I ran into, Wendy uh Wendy Hulgamo, uh probably shouldn't say her last oh, name, but Wendy. I didn't and, even uh, see Wendy there. I didn't even see her. I must have missed her. Yeah, she was there for some uh, some chow her, she was getting for her and her dad. But I I had an opportunity to talk to her, having a good little conversation. And uh, um, and then a couple other Ho-Chunks. But uh, it's great. We can talk a little bit more about that, Robert, and maybe – uh, some updates. We got two more segments with you, so we'll talk a little slower if we don't have enough content. Sounds <laughs> <That was> good. <laughs> All right. Hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm here with Robert Lilligren, CEO of Native American Community Development Institute in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, 
If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by, stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence and shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Even though the public COVID-19 emergency might be over, it's still important to stay up to date on vaccinations. And if you're like most people, you probably need a refresher on who should get vaccinated and when. So here's the bottom line. If you're six years or older, aim for that one updated COVID-19 vaccine. It doesn't matter if you've had a previous vaccine or not. You're still in the game. Now, if you're 65 or older, you've got the green light for one extra dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Just wait four months after your first updated dose and you're good to go. And for the little ones, children between six months and five years may need multiple doses, including at least one of the updated vaccines based on their age and previous doses. Remember, always stay informed and reach out to healthcare professionals for personalized guidance. Didn't catch all of that? You can find all of the updated COVID vaccine information at health.state.mn.us. That's health.state.mn.us. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman, one U.S. penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis. Hey, we're here with Robert Lilligren, uh, Native American Community Development Institute, uh, White Earth uh, Ojibwe citizen, and all around a groovy dude. Uh, we're here <laughs> having our own little conversation. It was fun. We were trying to explain people that we've been doing this, you and I, for a while on Native Roots Radio. And when we were a two-hour show on Saturdays, we used to have to uh, set aside an hour for our 10-minute se- segment. Right, we, right. We're, talking and having a good time and talking about well you know I, I think we were talking a lot about how well we see the the future and uh and uh the young ones coming uh up behind us and the future looking bright it was a lot of times our uh uh conversation agree and now we kind of bring that conversation onto the air right we do lot we used to do all this backgrounding and as in fact checking for our 10 minute pre-recorded segment now that we're live we just kind of throw uh caution to the wind and, yeah. and do, <laughs> just put it all out there very authentic conversation yeah definitely and uh, so I always like to pull I uh what Wendy always says and I, I bring this up too with uh Dr. Stately, when he's on, ask Robert what he wants to talk about is what Wendy will send me a note across the table here. And so what I'm going to do, Robert, is going to, you know, ask a little bit of what you want to talk about. And I know uh, I was feeling really bad that I missed the opening uh, at the uh, opening uh, art art uh, exhibit. Yeah. So one of the things my organization does on the American Indian Culture Corridor is we operate all my relations arts gallery and it's, it's a bigger program too but our gallery is this small but mighty space uh it's really launched careers of a lot of internationally now internationally famous native artists and we had a new exhibition open and, and angela two stars who's the director of all my relations arts and i talked about this a bit last week but it's this great uh new exhibition by a native artist laura young bird from grand portage and it's called in English, My Heart Hurts. In Ojibwe, it's Indiwisagandam. 
or something close to that. And it's just mm -hmm. as powerful as can be. And uh, Laura Youngbird, the artist, was down and did an artist talk. We had an opening reception last Friday. But if anyone's in the area, I would strongly encourage you to come on down. The show's up till September 9th. And all mm -hmm. my relations are, it's right on East Franklin Avenue and 15th Street in South Minneapolis. And it's, yeah. it's in, did you get a chance to look at the uh, exhibit? Yeah, I did. I was yeah. in there for a little bit. And, but you know, my ADHD was running wild because I was yeah. trying to get out of there uh, real quickly. <laughs> I had to drop off a couple things and a half hour later, I, I got to leave. Right. Yeah. That happens around there. And Laura Youngbird uses a lot of imagery of the dress, you know, from uh, reminiscent of photos of her grandmother or uh, her mother used to make their, she and her family, their clothes and their dresses. And so mm. dresses and of course uh, red dresses evoke so much. Uh, in right. the community about missing and murdered indigenous women and relatives. And so it's powerful and, uh, and it was great. I love going to the artist talks and hearing the artist talk mm -hmm. about their inspirations. Yeah, you know, I, I have to say this too, because I think there's a lot of fans out there. During the Four Sisters Market, there's uh, almost every week there is a famous author that's there. Um, yeah. And a, a really a big seller, and we've had her on on the show, Marcy the Marcy Rendon. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever want to get an autographed copy, and I was just thinking about that, Robert, if you ever right. want to get an autographed copy or buy one of her books, she is there. Yep, she is a vendor at the Forces. Yeah, almost every week, her daughter Simone Rendon is one of our vendors yeah. and uh, sells her own line of, of of food. And I'm actually looking at Marcy Rendon's book right here, because I have it teed up to read next, uh, Murder on the Red River. That's gonna yeah. be my next read. So yeah, and she's she's big time, right? Award-winning, yeah. famous author. And we had her uh, daughter on too, and, uh, and I know uh, we were talking earlier a couple of weeks ago that uh, one of the TV stations here had a real uh, shoot. I mean, it was five, six minutes, uh, piece on her and her yeah. uh, jellies and jams and uh, how she uh, she makes those and uh, there was, what was the thing samples. that you liked Haley? Haley, what was the thing that you liked? I can't remember. Uh, oh, she forages these uh, like pine cones and then she makes pine yes. cone cookies and they were amazing. I didn't know that you could eat pine cones, but <laughs> yeah, it's a thing and they're delicious. When they were on television, so Destiny, our market manager, Ho-Chunk's sister, Simone, um, and I don't think the hosts really liked the pine cone cookies. Uh, oh. they, they tried them, but I think it was a little <laughs> a little too indigenous for them, but they tried them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a huge segment. It promoted Simone promoted Simone's work, uh, the Four Sisters mm -hmm. Farmers Market. Yeah. Our little market is, you know, draws a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah, and it's exciting. And, uh, you know, there's people, and again, I, you know, people driving by and honking, and it's like, who is that? And my next, you know, I can't see, but there's a lot of action happening there. And, you know, I just have to say this too, Robert, that that avenue has changed so much and turned into the native corridor in a in a really, really good way because we're old enough to remember all the bars and all the oh, all yeah. the things and riffraff and it's a it's a good vibe during the day there. It's a great vibe and it's really the community expressing itself. It's one of the few areas in the country really where you have a geography that is so strongly identified with the native community. You know, it feels native, the build architecture, the street furniture, uh, and then the activation of it, right? The murals, the markets, the events, and, and then we have a couple of really important uh, pieces of architecture coming online. Next year, next May, our American Indian Center, Minneapolis American Indian Center, will open their newly renovated and expanded building. Wow. It's beautiful. And the Native American Community Clinic just up the block. Is about yeah. to is has started on on their new building, which will combine uh, community services and housing. Yeah, we had Dr. Stately on yesterday, and uh, yeah. just uh, the crazy things that are happening there, and uh, and all the work that the Native American Community Clinic does is mm -hmm. amazing. Um, and it's it's kind of hard, and I think you probably maybe run into this too with uh, 
Nakti is that you, it's hard to be, not be everything to everyone, but it's also a detriment too, because you can't focus in and you, you know what I mean? I think of oh, yeah. that problem and there's so much to be done. Right. There's so much need in the community, right? And and we have a rich community of uh, nonprofits and clinics that offer services to the Native community. I mean, it's wonderful to, to see in Native American Community Clinic and Dr. Anthony Stately and their work is a great example of that. We have Indian Health Board and Urban uh, uh, Indian Health Urban Clinic. Uh, we have uh, just from where we were standing today at Four Sisters yeah. Farmers Market within maybe six blocks, there's 40 or 50 native serving organizations, tribes, educational institutions, and right there in this very uh, de uh, definable part of South Minneapolis. And that's where we get the, the traction for the American Indian Cultural Corridor, right? A destination uh, in mm -hmm. South Minneapolis. And, and it's feeling good. It's feeling good. Yeah. And you know, we still have our troubles. I noticed just about a block from our offices and could see uh, a group of our unsheltered relatives mobilizing and establishing an encampment there. You know, and so mm -hmm. they're kind of moving around and, you know, they're part of our community too, right? And we work to figure out how to best support and serve our relatives living without shelter. Yeah, I mean, what what a great point too. Um, they are part of our community. And, uh, you know, one of the things too that we, uh, we, we see people that look like us all up and down the avenue and, um, and also, you know, at the market and at the, it's and at the doctors, at the library. I mean, there's just so much going on there and yeah. in such a good way. But, I, you know, I want to keep you for another segment and a half if you have, have time. Um, I do want you to talk about what you'd like to talk about, Robert, because I, I kind of tricked you there. I was asked you to talk about what you <laughs> talk about, and then I went into a, a question. So I, wanna, I want you to be able to, to uh, speak your truth. All right. Uh, it sounds good. Well, we still have a minute left. Well, oh, okay. I thought you were transitioning this out. So, uh, yeah, so just coming to your last point, you know, after I left my office today, then I went a block or maybe two to a tribally owned pharmacy, uh, Meshkiki Wakaigan Medicine House. And they, uh, it's this great model where as a tribal citizen or a native person, I don't have to pay. You know, I use my insurance, and then they mm -hmm. have a model that's not profit-driven, right? And so, yeah. so uh, you know, people like me are subsidizing other people, but no Native person, only Native people are patients there, and um, no Native people pay anything. You know, so yeah. no co-pays or anything. And then from there, I had to stop and get some cash at a Native-owned bank, <laughs> Woodlands National, just up the block on the American Indian Culture Court. And I'm like, this is so cool. This is yeah. so cool. I have this, you know, right here, right in my immediate environment. Yeah, it's so funny that you said that. I was going to mention the bank too, but hey, we're going to uh, hang out a little bit more with Robert Lilligren and then up next, Robert Blake after that. So, hey, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and we'll be right back after this short break. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hey, this is Robert Pilot. I taught in St. Paul Public Schools for over 25 years, and I want you to join the team and make a difference in our children's future. Right now, St. Paul Public Schools is offering hiring and retention bonuses up to $10,000 for a variety of teaching and classroom support positions for the next school year. Grow in a supportive and fulfilling public school setting. Limited bonuses are available, so don't delay. Apply at spps.org careers. 
Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live and and let howl. Attention art enthusiasts, experience Laura Youngbird's Indie Wisigindam, My Heart Hurts, a solo exhibition by Laura Youngbird presented by All My Relations Arts this summer. All My Relations Arts aims to foster connections between contemporary American Indian artists, preceding generations, diverse audiences, and the vitality of the American Indian cultural corridor. Laura Youngbird is a talented artist from the Minnesota Chippewa Grand Portage Band that uses the dress as a metaphor to address social issues issues, injustices, and biases. Through mixed media, combining drawing, painting, and prints, Laura explores the dress as a powerful symbol in her work, revealing layers of meaning. Her series examines mixed emotions and themes like common threads, loose ends, and vulnerability. And you can see Laura Youngbird's Inde Wisigindam, My Heart Hurts, all summer through September 9th at All My Relations Arts in Minneapolis. Plan your visit and let the moving art speak to your heart. More information at allmyrelationsarts.org. It's 2023 and you might think COVID is behind us. Unfortunately, it is still with us and there are important steps you need to take if you or a loved one is at risk of contracting COVID-19. First, every home in Minnesota is eligible to order eight rapid at-home COVID-19 tests for free once a month at sayyeshometest.org. Even if you have ordered tests before, you can order again. You can do the nasal swab test anywhere and get results in about 15 minutes. If there's a positive test, treat symptoms with rest, fluids, and pain relievers. However, if you're over 65 or have chronic medical conditions, contact your healthcare provider immediately. Follow your provider's advice on care and home isolation. Watch for worsening symptoms or emergency warning signs. Your provider might suggest using a home pulse oximeter to monitor oxygen levels. If symptoms worsen or emergency signs appear, seek medical attention immediately. Find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for clear skies tonight with a low around 61, Friday partly sunny with a high near 83, and Saturday a chance for thunderstorms with a high around 85. At Crooner's Supper Club, the entertainment doesn't stop when the show ends. Head over to Maggie's Lounge for some post-show drinks and great conversation. You'll love the relaxed and friendly atmosphere. That's Maggie's Lounge at Crooner's Supper Club off Moore Lake and Highway 65. More at croonersloungemn.com. Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Minnesota 350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Yes, they do. Hey, we're here with Robert Lilligren, and we're we're wrapping it up with a little bit here with Robert. And uh, Robert, uh, again, uh, what would you like to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me, Robert? You're so good <laughs> at it. <laughs> tell me what I want to talk about. I mean, we could talk about anything. We haven't touched on any national kind of topics, but there's the pending criminal charges toward Trump. There's the 16 fake electors from Michigan that are now getting criminally charged. And this is all very interesting. So I'm happy to go in that direction or continue to talk about local stuff. But there's one kind of national thing, you know, or a national data point that I haven't really seen a lot in the... The media and i just wanted to lift that up and you know folks know or you know i'm still part of government i'm a representative on our regional government the metropolitan council and you know mm-hmm. we're, we're just now preparing to start doing our 2050 comprehensive plans throughout this region and and we're in this era where things like covid and the whole pandemic response has left us really uncertain 
about what the future is going to be like. And of course, then George Floyd's murder here just changed everything or sort of turbocharged everything. So we're just in this kind of confusing place where we can't really look to the past to gauge what the future will be in development in the region or transit use. You know, we run the transit mm -hmm. system, uh, wastewater use. It's, it's, it's a time of uncertainty. So yeah. one of the things that a lot of folks did during the pandemic and the um, the stay at home period was just kind of predict the doom of central cities. You know, no one's going to go back to work and right. you're not going to need any transit and cities are just going to die. And we're just seeing different things, different kinds of things happen within cities and in workplaces. And one right. of the data points that I think is really, really interesting is uh, women in the workforce. And of course, women left the workforce uh, much higher rates because suddenly they had to fall into these roles of caregivers and educators and uh, and they left the workplace and they there was a lot of progress lost. Like, I think it was like 50 years of advancement of women in the workplace. And, and now what's happening is that women have not only returned to the workplace, they've returned to the workplace in a strong way where women partic women's participation in the workplace is higher than it was before COVID. And that's just a fact, you know? Yeah. And so there was all this concern that, oh, women will never make up the lost ground from the COVID era. Well, women have more than made it up. And another tidbit or another little fact is that uh, the gender pay gap is now the narrowest ever, the narrowest wow. on record. And it's still not closed. Uh, a woman earns now 85 cents for a dollar a man earns, but that's up. It's the smallest pay gap in our history. And I just think that's interesting. And so, you know, we have these crises and these catastrophes like a right. uh, uh, pandemic. And then all of a sudden we're seeing kind of progress made as we recover. Right. Well, you know, the word crisis comes from the Chinese symbol that has merged a dangerous win and opportunity. Every crisis is a dangerous opportunity, as we both yep. know. Yep. And so I guess it may be as dangerous to the status quo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just fine with me. But yeah. it's just, you know, these things, you know, our economy is doing well or mm -hmm. you know, unemployment is down. There's these positive things going on and they just never really reverberate through a lot of the media. And that was just one that's really caught my attention this week. Yeah. Well, Robert, I have uh, Robert in the bullpen here, and I want to really thank you for uh, yeah. for all the work you do. And it was uh, it's always good to see you, and it's always really good to see you uh, here on Native Ritz Radio because we have fun, and it's also very informative for our listeners what's going around here in the Twin Cities and in Indian Country and our perspective on uh, the news. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. See you, Haley. Give uh, well, man. We'll see you soon, Robert. Hey, speaking, we have uh, Bob Blake from Red Lake. Good to see you, Robert, uh, with the Solar Bear, with the Solar News. How's it going, my man? I see your lips are moving, but I don't hear anything. This is, where's my mute? Where's my, oh, oh, there you go. That I had my mute button on. Sorry about my that. coffee cup there. Yep, yep, you're on mute. Yep, I got yeah. that. <laughs> hey, everyone. The Solar Bear with the Solar News here. Hey, Robert. The hottest yeah. day ever uh, has been recorded out in Death Valley, California, you know, yes. um, and it was at 134 degrees. And I think this is I think this is interesting because this relates to a lot of what you and Robert Lilligan were talking about and about cities and you know, how, you know, there was that interesting um, mention about people are moving away from cities or, or they're moving back in, you know, there's this, there's this demographic change. Well, you know, I, I, I think, you know, with climate change, it's going to really affect a lot of different, you know, aspects of city life. Because, you know, if you just recently saw the news, um, the, um, uh, out in, I believe it was uh, Phoenix, Arizona, um, an overnight temperature, Robert, was 95 degrees. Ugh. 
I mean, how how does the human body cool down? You know, you know, from the from from the day, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I think these are some really interesting conversations um, because you know we have to start considering, you know, how do we best address this, especially in cities? And one of the things that I, you, you know, Robert, I ran for city council, and one right. of the that what I was advocating for was, you know, glow in the dark bike lanes <laughs> around the city. Because I first of all, I think that's gonna make our communities more safer. Um, because and it's gonna get more people out using bikes. And trust me, kids are just gonna love riding glow in the dark bike lanes. You know, that's just one thing. And mm-hmm. the, the the other thing is I think in a lot of these abandoned lots where we have you know, um, properties that are up for sale and they're not for sale or, you know, whatever, abandoned properties too. But in these green spaces, we really talk about maybe putting in city gardens and bringing communities together through food, through growing gardens, through, you know, uh, breaking bread with one another. And what happens is that these gardens end up becoming, you know, carbon carbon sinks, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And they become air conditioners for the city themselves because it's going to keep these areas cool at night. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nina's actually this is this is right. And so that that's really what a lot of you know those kinds of gardens can do. Um, and and I think those are great ways to bring community together, make it safer. Also, a great way to get to know your neighbor, but also you know because of all the concrete that we have in the city and that traps the heat that I think we're going to have to really start thinking outside the box, you know, as cities and, and looking at this um, as potential ways of fighting the extreme effects of heat um, that are going to be affecting um, our cities in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. It's always warmer in the cities, Robert, anyways, whether it's uh, the buildings are keeping the heat in, but now it's really uh, it's really getting horrific. And also, what Nina said that it, it was crazy when the desert can't cool off a, uh, at night, and that's a, a unbelievable statement, but so true. Yeah, and, and and I think that that those are really issues that because you know, and and, and I always tell people, or I was you know go back to when those individuals were in Chicago and, and they died in their apartments. And it was literally because they, they cooked, to, they were cooking, they, they cooked to death. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And because right. of the heat from the outside and the apartments and that the heat wave just, you know, and, and of course they wanted to keep their windows closed because they're afraid of somebody breaking in and, you know, causing them harm. But they also wanted to, try and keep what little cold air they had. So it, it, you know, but those are some of the things that I think that we really have to seriously think about as we have these extreme heat waves, they're going to become more and more prevalent and, you know, a bigger piece of, of our everyday life going, going forward. Yeah. And, you know, that's remember this last winter uh, here in Minnesota, we had the third largest snowfall in recorded history. And then it, and then uh, we had flooding, and then we haven't had hardly any rain to speak of since then. So the rivers and lakes are low, uh, and so it kind of lulls us into sleep going, oh, look at all this uh, moisture here in the, as of in snow. But uh, you have to keep it going, and May flowers, you know, April showers bring May flowers, and we haven't had a spring in so, so long here in Minnesota, it just either jumps right to summer where we had over 90 degree weather, uh, you know, in early April, May. Yeah, absolutely. Robert. And, and so, you know, the jet stream is, is, is obviously, you know, not, you know, um, I would say normal into what we would usually think it is. And that's because of, of climate change, man-made climate change. And so that jet stream is knocked off. And so it's bringing down colder air a lot sooner than we expected. It's uh, our, our winters are starting later. 
are, are you know, it, there's more moisture that is being picked up from the West Coast. It's being dropped into the East Coast now. So imagine big lakes up in the atmosphere that are coming down on the East Coast, and that's why you have all this flooding right now, and you have all this dry weather, all this all these fires that are going to be happening here on the east, on the western side, because it's picking up all the moisture and dropping it down um, on the eastern side of the United States. So um, these are all situations that we're going to have to get our heads wrapped around. And it's obviously something that I think um, is going to be a part of what you and Robert were just recently talking about. And it's going to affect that too. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Robert, we got to take a quick break here. Uh, and then we'll talk more solar bear with the solar news and maybe rename uh, the show Robert's Native Roots Radio. Oh, hey, you're, <laughs> you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, along with Robert Blake and earlier Robert Lilligren. Sorry, Haley. We'll change your name to Robert here. Roberta. There you go. Oh, we'll be right back after this short break. Please. Stay with us. Stay with us. Hey. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit MN350.org. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Life is a journey, and the Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas will help you get where you want to go. Located in downtown Minneapolis, this affordable two-year college provides free textbooks, a laptop, meals, career coaches, and a metro transit pass, making DFC the perfect pathway to a bachelor's degree. Turn your dreams into reality at Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas. Apply today at dfc.stthomas.edu. Your neighbors are talking about the Blue Line Extension, connecting North Minneapolis, Crystal, Robbinsdale, and Brooklyn Park to the light rail transit system. I feel like a lot of times people, when they think about transit, it's like, well, it, it's a bus, it's a train, it's whatever. But it, it really isn't. It's a lifeline for many communities, and it feels like something that we really need here. Hear more of this story and others at yourblueline.org. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. Hey, we had a half-muted uh, Bob Blake wolf howling. Uh, that was good. Hey. <laughs> Welcome back to Native Roots Radio. I'm here with Robert Blake and uh, Solar Bear with the Solar News. And we're talking about some real stuff, real issues here. And sometimes, Robert, it's hard to hear, or hard to listen to because it's so real and in our face, you know. And uh, you can't deny it, even though there may be a portion of our society that wants to deny it. I mean, I would never thought that we would have fires in Canada would would uh, affect us here in Minnesota but all over the United States too. Well, you know, and and I think that's what native people have always known, right? Everything is connected. Yeah. And and um, you know, it it really is Robert um I don't even want to know all this. I mean, <laughs> I scare myself knowing all this. I, I, you always you know, you 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 but you want to it, it's almost discouraging sometimes, but like, you know that, you know, the opportunity is there for us to really change our future if we want to. Um, and, 
you know, that movie, Don't Look Up, with Leonardo DiCaprio and, yeah. you know, all that star-studded cast, that was such a great play on, like, the climate change issue. Like, right. you know, it's obviously right there. We can see it. They could see the comet coming at the planet, but yet we still don't want to acknowledge that this is going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. We We see the fires. We see the flooding. We see all the natural disasters. We see the tornadoes. I was out at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory a couple of weeks ago, and I had one of the meteorologists telling me, oh, we we can't predict, we, we can't tell you if the tornadoes are more stronger, you know, scientifically because of climate change. And and I and I got I got up and I said, don't tell these people that. Do not say that. That is wrong to say that. We can't tell right. that, that the tornadoes are more frequent and they are stronger because of climate change. Do not say that. Take that back. This meteorologist right. did not take it back, but she did say, she goes, well, they are happening more frequently, we are seeing. Okay, give me that at least. Don't yeah. tell me I'm a liar in front of all these people. But exactly. like these are the individuals that are out there sitting there saying and telling people that everything's okay when they know that the scientist is the science is telling them something different. As a matter of fact, Robert, this goes into the next story about mm -hmm. the United States Army and how the army is looking at climate change in the future. Wow. And get this, Robert. The U.S. Army's climate strategy was announced last year, okay? Mm -hmm. And it included a pledge to add a microgrid in every one of its hundreds of inst installations by 2035. Every Army base across this country is now slated to get a microgrid. Now, yeah. when I tell you this, Robert, what does the Army know? that the rest of society doesn't know if they're moving on this action now around, you know, climate change. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you, and, you know, and, what I'm, and what I'm saying, Robert, is don't believe me. Look at what the United States army is doing. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? Like don't, don't listen to the solar bear, listen to the United States army and look at what they're doing. They're telling you that this is a problem. We're preparing for it. And you should be too. You know what I mean? You should be thinking mm -hmm. about this. We should be voting in climate champions. I um I was I, I'm on the board of directors on the board of directors for the Minnesota Solar Energy Industry Association, Robert. We mm -hmm. had state representative Jamie Long yesterday talk to us about all the wonderful legislation that was passed in the state of Minnesota. And yeah. Minnesota is now, I mean, we're gonna leapfrog every other state in the Midwest around climate around climate change and around renewable energy issues with all of this positive you know legislation that came out um from 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 the state here and yeah. it is exciting it is, it's going to be exciting and I can't begin to tell you Minnesota all the great things that are going to be coming down the line and how we are going to be battling climate change and taking this you know um head on and you'll be reporting on it. Hey, Robert, what was the name of that movie again that Leo Cap, you know, uh, Leo was in again? Oh, Don't Look Up. Don't yeah, Look you, Up. One of the most uh, uh, significant things in that movie, too, was that Leo was dating somebody his own age or was married to someone that was roughly his own age in there. I would just throw some humor in there real quick. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's been known to uh, date the models. <laughs> <I see that. laughs> But the actor that was playing her, his opposite, his wife, was his age. So it was like, uh, good on you, Leo. One in a row. <laughs> well, I'm sure he, uh, he's got like a billion-dollar bank account. I mean, uh, <laughs> makes, well, it, makes it very attractive. Just joking about him because he'll be starring in that next movie coming up with uh, his buddy Marty Scorsese. That's coming up real soon. Uh, Flowers of the, of the, um, the, the Moon. Uh, yeah, Flowers of the Killer Moon. Robert, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because, you know, I, I would really, because, you know, this goes out to tribal country, and I really want, you know, tribes to understand, you know, when you look at that situation that happened with the Osage in, in, in this yeah. movie, Flowers of the Killer Moon, you know, we, we see another opportunity that's happening here in tribal country right now around hydrogen projects renewable energy projects, you know, energy projects that are going to bring a lot of wealth to native country. And just like the oil brought a lot of wealth to the Osage in there, 
you know, there was a lot of greed and there was a lot of, you know, uh, backhanded dealings and everything like that. And so I just want tribal country to be well aware of the cautionary tale that is from this movie. I think it's a very, um, I think the movie right now coming out is at a very significant time in tribal country with all the money coming into tribal country, flooding in to do uh, renewable energy and energy development and, and how we as native people, let's not, let's not like lose our values. You know, let's, let's keep this, you know, let's understand that a lot of these people are experts in their field. Let's listen to them. Let's, you know, let's, let's take their advice. Let, let's use what we can from them, but let's not like, you know, like our values, let's keep our value system um, in, in doing all this, because um, I think Robert, that there is just going to be uh, from, from my viewpoint, a lot of energy development in tribal country and a lot of dollars pass being passed around. And I just don't want, you know, I just don't want native people to get hurt is really what I don't want to happen. Well, absolutely. And I think even with uh, the monies that was coming out earlier on broadband and things like that, uh, a lot of native communities learn the hard way uh, to read the fine print, so to speak, because there's companies out there that know that there's money coming in Indian country and they might want to take an advantage of that. And so to have somebody like you with the energy as a consultant and uh, people that you work with to work with the community and do you become a, your own uh, energy company or how do you partner in a good way with uh, existing energy companies and when do the batteries come in and when do you use them and when do you sell back and all those things that that your experience has really brought you to this point today that uh, we all need to to reach out to the experts when we're dealing with all this money coming into Indian country, so to speak. Yeah, the devil's in the details. You know, that's the old saying, the devil is in the details. And um, like you said, Robert, reading that fine print, because uh, there's a lot of individuals that are uh, going to take advantage or try to take advantage of our people. And I just want them to be conscientious of that. And so that's why I say this movie with the flowers of the killer moon. Wow. What a really kind of significant time does this thing come yeah. out and be a cautionary tale to native country. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Robert, uh, really a good talking to you. I'm glad you were able to come on today and complete the trifecta of Roberts. Uh, but it's it's always good to see you, and I can't wait to uh, reach out to you here in the next few days about what's happening, and you know, in our nation, and uh, things that are happening, and uh, in a good way, and the the things that you're doing, just to amplifies uh, how much you are helping other nations across the country. And so I appreciate our little time together once week or once every other week because you you are the man, you are a doer. So Pini Gigi. Thank you, Miigwech, Robert. And thank you for having me, everyone. That's the Solar News with the Solar Bear. Right on. Hey, you're listening to Native Brits Radio. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now. <laughs>